Hello and welcome to Sorry to Get Back on Topic, talking about foundation again. And uh, this is about episode four called Barbarians at the Gate. Alex couldn't join us tonight, but I've got Mike Rappin here again. Hello. Howdy. So, yeah, I was just uh, mentioning to you before we started that it's been a while since I've actually watched episode four, and I'm skimming through it to refresh my memory. Um, I couldn't resist kind of going forward in the show, and uh, I think it's getting exciting in its own way, but um, it's definitely... Uh, each each step of the way, I feel like it's kind of diverging from the book, and I, I keep trying to put my thumb on like where where is it? What was it supposed to be, and what is it doing now? <laughs> right, right, right. right. But uh, yeah, when did you have you seen this one recently? Or yeah, I I have been <laughs> I have not been keeping up weekly as I have fallen deep into watching Succession um, because oh. that show is absolutely hilarious and fantastic and dark all at the same time. Um, All right, this is now a succession podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I haven't I haven't kept up, but I did watch uh, episode four last night, and um, awesome. yeah, I mean, I, this feels like it feels again like Lee Pace is still stealing the show on the episode. Um, mm-hmm. the The story with Salvador Harden isn't nearly as interesting as I think the show wants it to be. Um, so my my whole overall feeling is 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 okay. Like I, I still am interested in the show. I'm still interested in the direction that they're going. They introduced in this episode a lot of really in, like smart, um, I think twists on the overall story with a lot of questions. I think there was like some mystical feeling, you know, to the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I'm curious to know like how that's all going to play, and especially with the end of episode twist reveal that they kind of showed. So, um, I, my interest is still peaked, but I still can't help but feel like this show is overwhelmingly okay and it's really maddening to me because i think that there are some brilliant moments in the in the show but overall i just it keeps falling flat for me i don't know how else to describe it you know i i I think that's what it is for me too and Mm -hmm. i i keep really uh you know i really want to defend it Mm -hmm. because i like foundation right 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 and it's like I'm so excited someone is finally making a show based on the books. Mm-hmm. And so as if, you know, the producers at Apple TV are listening to me personally, like <laughs> encouraging them, <laughs> like they need my encouragement. As, but it's as like, far as I know, we're the only foundation podcast out there. So Apple, give us a call. <laughs> you know, we'd be yeah. happy to pair up with you. Actually, no, that's there a lie. Go. I think they have an official foundation the, podcast. The Apple has one. <laughs> right. But maybe apart from Apple, maybe it's just us. Right, right. <laughs> And yeah, I just, so I feel like, yeah, I have this impulse to be like, oh yeah, it's a good, great try, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like. (laughs) And you're willing to like um, give it some more slack and stuff. Yeah. And I was was talking to my dad uh, today, actually, Mm -hmm. for kind of an objective point of view, because he hasn't read any of these books. And um, he mentioned that he just watched Dune and has been watching Foundation. So I was asking him kind of like what he thinks of it. And he's like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) and he's like you know it's a lot of like cool action adventure stuff and Uh it feels kind of like star wars and i was like yeah unfortunately (laughs) the um so it's like i think it's exciting it's kind of it's fun you know now we've got like this the actual violent conflict happening Mm -hmm. with the anacreons Mm -hmm. um and that's you know this episode is all about barbarians at the gate 
Um, you know, they're they're here. They want something from this settlement. It's not super clear what. You know, they kind of say what it is, but doesn't really connect. Like, mm-hmm. why do they need? Um, they said they needed it. Was it a navigational unit? Right. They or were something like, like that. They couldn't leave their planet because it basically had been decimated by the previous, you know, day emperor. Uh, which, again, the selling point of this show is is the way that they're managing time. Um, it just it just slays me. Um, yeah, they needed a, they needed a navigation unit because essentially all of their tech has been destroyed by the fallout of the crashing of the big space elevator that happened on um, the, the you know the city planet. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see you know the the ramifications of things come so quickly you know when i think we watch a lot of other prestige level tv um mm-hmm. you know like the expanse or you watch something like uh i don't know some any any other major like hour-long drama like game of thrones even mm-hmm. um mandalorian yeah mandalorian like these things you see them eventually fall out by the end of the season or in next season you know like a big event happens and then you see the the fallout of it much later whereas this show has the incredible advantage of saying well something happened in episode one and because of the nature of this entire story three episodes later it can have a lasting impact on the rest of the show because we've traveled forward in time and like when you put it on paper it's very obvious like it's clear that they can do that but i think it's really fun the way that they've they've tried to hide it to say like oh you don't know what the fallout was because time has passed and we're giving you so few details because we're focusing very narrowly on some some character stories until it becomes revealed that like oh the reason why this person's upset is because of this big thing that happened and you actually find out what the details of that are um even though you know off screen it all happened and you saw that the the original brother day you know emperor day was like yeah let's just fucking bomb all these guys um but we never saw what actually happened and we now that we find out you know these mm-hmm. people are very upset and what the actual ramifications were it's like oh um the the whole episode comes together on that point of like the extremism of that one moment may be the cause of this whole barbarism thing anyways i got a lot of thoughts because i like the way that this yeah. whole show is 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 actually pulling the pieces together um and you know the anxiety and paranoia of the 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 empire uh the three brothers uh three clones is is really really smart uh yeah, that's I, I'm, I that's the thing that keeps pulling me back. I can't I can't express that enough. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that it's I feel like a positive and a, in some ways a negative is how character oriented the story is. Sure, and um, <clears throat> like it's you you know like we talked about with the emperors, for example, in the books, the emperors aren't clones. Um, and I just finished a. Uh, one of the other prequel books that talked about how Cleon was murdered. Mm. That was kind of cool, which kind of reminded me like, yep, there's only one of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, but you know, the, the bright side is we get Lee Pace (laughs) and uh, (laughs) we get all this interesting dynamic with the clones um, and, and Gail and Harry and Salvor all are like these, these really interesting characters that we get to keep coming back to. And, um, and it is interesting how they get to stay in the same like episode, even though we're talking about maybe 30 years difference mm-hmm. right now. I'm curious what it'll be when it's like hundreds of years. But uh, yeah, they kind of have things contained until these little like airplane windows. And like you can look out one and like, okay, here's Terminus. And then you look at another one and and here's Trantor mm-hmm. and all that. Um, it's it's really interesting uh, way to do it. I, 
I was reading this article um, actually in the New Yorker about foundation. And um, it's written by Julian Lucas. I don't really read a lot of TV critiques, so I'm not familiar with him. Mm -hmm. But um, I liked how he said it was... uh, a lot of this TV show is kind of drawing on things like Star Wars to, I think, keep our interest or meet our expectations. Sure. And, you know, any Foundation fan will be the first to jump out and tell you, oh, this was informed by Foundation. And so it's kind of (laughs) ironic that, like, um, you know, we have a lot of, uh, like he was saying, uh, where's... Here's just one paragraph. Trantor suffers its 9-11 moment when terrorists attack the Starbridge, a colossal colossal spire that serves as its umbilical connection to the larger galaxy. Its fall destroys a swath of densely populated planet, and Brother Day retaliates by publicly executing dignitaries from the suspect homeworlds in a mashup of Caesar's thumbs down in Gladiator and the Death Star's annihilation of Alderaan yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in Star Wars. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty much how they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there weren't such theatrics in the book itself. And again, right. like trying to really step away, <laughs> but it's still interesting to use the books as something to draw on and like compare. But I think on its own, the show is definitely much more um, action focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. I think it's fun to watch. I think that I would also have fun watching something that was true to the books. But, um, you know, even on its own, it's still interesting. Uh, one more section from this article I wanted to bring in based on the, the action stuff. Sure. Was about, um, so he's talking about updating these characters. And he says, a more martial update is foisted on Salvor, um, played by Harvey with a striking flat top, a black jumpsuit, and an unremitting attitude of frowning concentration. (laughs) She's an anxious loner who emerges as a sort of gunslinging sheriff. In Asimov's novel, by contrast, Salvor is a savvy mayor who overthrows the Foundation's pedantic director and forestalls an invasion through shrewd demagoguery. The original Salvor's motto, I forgot this part, is, quote, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. <laughs> the TV show gives the line to her father and has Salvor march into Terminus armories, quote, to see what violence we can muster. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of like interesting. I hadn't realized, I don't remember if they gave that, I didn't remember what the father said, but um, it's interesting that they kind of like flip some things around. Yeah. And... uh yeah. <laughs> well, it's this is the thing that's that's interesting about the show is that I, you know, they're they're clearly taking names and changing things a little bit, but I think a lot of the core is still there. It's just shown in different ways. And it's unfortunate I think that a line like that is given to, you know, Salvador or Salvor's um father. Uh, like father, yeah, because like he he his, he and his wife are supposed to be like these mathematicians and you know they're like i think at one point in the episode he says you know if only you were better at math and it turns out that she's got this other gift and i mean there's a whole line of thinking of just like is this like trying to be true to the books by creating adding these things or is this just kind of like stringing along like dedicated fans to foundation and not like there's a huge mm-hmm. you know 
fan base that's like clamoring for this series. But um, it's like if you're just taking this story in name, like why not do something else? You know, because why why not have Selvor be the person that's like, I've been violent my entire life. Um, what mm-hmm. if I actually took heed of this thing um, and realized that violence isn't the answer and I actually just need to be clever about things? And maybe she comes to that conclusion in the end, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the following episodes. I haven't, I haven't seen beyond episode four, but um, it is just it's unfortunate that they're changing characters like this who are so crucial to, I think, what the idea of foundation is, you know, and and if only for the sake of like this is this is prestige television we need to have this be these big action moments and stuff um because i think that those two things can exist right like why not give her her boyfriend um the guy you know the traveler him give him the Mm -hmm. the violent notion to say we got to fight these guys head on and then she's the person that's actually solving the problem by being clever about it you know or finding some other way out of the situation because she's had these parents who have done this you know their whole lives and they've kind of instilled in her that there is a different way to approach these things even if she's been a warden her whole life and maybe this is the moment in the story where she finally takes up that um advice and says you know maybe there is this is the biggest moment ever um violence only begets more violence what if i found a different way um i fully wholly expected her to just abandon all of the city go straight for the vault and be like there has to be an answer here like this is this is the moment that i need to make the choice was it was it in the the previous episode i think maybe in three where um I forget her name, but the main bad guy, <laughs> the main bad lady. Yeah, the, um, the huntress from the huntress. The, yeah. yeah, the grand huntress. That was in this um, episode where she she drove closer to it and passed out. Yeah, that was okay. the moment so, I thought she was going to go straight to the vault instead of trying to help the city. Yeah, yeah. So I, I you know, we do see signs of like cleverness, mm-hmm. and so it's she's a weird mixture of like she is a smart character, right? And she's um kind of seeing things that other people may not see. But she is also like, also the character running in guns blazing, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of confusing to get a read on where it's going. I thought it was really interesting, the scene, the interrogation scene when she's flipping this coin, oh. and she calls it oh. every single time. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing here? That was fun. Like, I don't remember Salvor Hardin being like some sort of psychic, but mm, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this is the this is the story you know that they've the narrative they're pushing in the in the tv show of her being this like special character this very special person you know and i i love the bit of like this isn't part of harry's plan i'm like oh my god and she she keeps screaming part of god's plan huh part of god's Uh plan um which i thought was interesting um yeah but yeah i i just uh you know i really feel like they're they're I'm worried that they're going to take things too far. And as far as like the mysticism side of things, like whatever hair or uh, Salvor's thing is going to be, I don't want it to be so far removed from the hard sci-fi part of the story, but mm. that's, that's just me begging. That's just me wanting, you know, a flat expanse level sci-fi story. You yeah. Know? I, I do wonder like what level mysticism and religion is going to continue to play in this show because already, um, I feel like the the attitude that the book takes or like the the fantasy that it sets the reader in is we're in this super distant future mm-hmm. where religion is like cave paintings to us now. Like, oh yeah, I think people used to draw in caves or even like maybe ancient Roman mythology or right. something where like, yeah, there are these stories people used to tell, um, you know, about Zeus and Athena and all that, but, you know, they're just, 
old stories, people used to explain things. That's kind of what Asimov does with like modern Christianity and other religions. Um, he'll hint at, you know, a certain character maybe referencing like old turn of phrase or like uses the word God and they're like, what's that? And they're like, oh yeah, it's this thing of this, you know, these people, these, the idiots used to, used to follow. <laughs> believe in back in archaic times. Yeah. And so it sounds like religion hasn't been around for millennia. Right. Um, and if there is some sort of um, like uh, mystical belief system on certain planets, they're like pretty remote. Right. So I, I feel like it's odd that in the TV show, it's like, pretty heavy you've got um gal gale coming from synax you know this like uh water world planet at this point mm-hmm. um and they're all deeply religious they refuse to use science to kind of like better themselves and um i mean that's one type of commentary but it's just weird that there's religion at all and then also in the, i think is in the beginning of this episode where the emperor um finds out that this religious leader has died mm-hmm. and um, the successor they anticipated is not going to uh, rule this religion. And it has like these many millions of followers. So the emperor has to fly out to that planet to solve this like religious succession thing, like the next Pope or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it was, so there's a, there's a lot of religion going on. Yeah. And you know, the big, the big thing that I would like to, to add to that surprise was that they were like, there's 3 billion people or something like that. That's that follow this religion. And like, they believe that, you know, everyone has a soul and there's this question about like, wait, we're clones. I thought blah, blah, blah. And so there's this implication Mm -hmm. of like religious influence that could disrupt the, the empire. Um, And and then they cut back to Harry who said that, you know, there's going to be a religious zealot that grows out of this thing out of, you know, dysfunction and, and arrogant or anger. Um, and it, it all makes sense, I guess, mm-hmm. in the in the narrative of like, you know, Harry kind of predicted this stuff and that kind of being the the emperor's focus constantly of just like how many of these damn things can come true, um, especially the climax of the episode for me, you know, where uh, Brother Day uh, uh, faces off with with Brother Dusk. Uh, so Lee Pace versus the the older guy um, just being yeah. like your your short sightedness caused all these problems and it's only getting worse the more you meddle. Um, and of course there's this robot woman who's hanging out and she's just like, hold on, we're talking about split decision. We're talking about irrational thinking. And you just told mm-hmm. him that he shouldn't go do the thing that he's best at. Like, I, I love that <laughs> the implication of or this person who's been able to see many, many generation after generation after generation and have this position where they're not really allowed to speak, but they are there to bear witness um and they are the consistency that can watch harry selden's truth come to light um i don't know i I just really like the the Mm. implication that it seems like you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't is he going to make things worse is he going to make it better is that going to play into selden's plans and you know he's got the statisticians that are working on you know was his math correct and these guys are all just yes men and he's so mad about it because he just needs to know if this is true but it always comes down to the the idea that is the core focus and the most beautiful part of all foundation in my opinion that there is no predictability of the one person it is only the predictability of the math and to try to influence that is impossible um which makes harry selden's predictions almost almost like fate but at the same time yeah. there are ways to do it it just takes 
a different approach than what I think the Emperor or even Harry Selden or like, or excuse me, or um, or Gale or or Salvor, like they all think that they can influence things, but it's like it's not about that. It's about thought. It's about spreading ideas. It's about thinking. Mm-hmm. It's about bigger ideas than individual. Um, and I do appreciate that that is still at the core of the show. Whenever they try to they try to poke at that idea of was <laughs> Harry predicting the future, it's like yes and no. He was and he wasn't because it's 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 an inevitability of like a thing that no one person can fathom. Um, right. And, and he tried to defend himself in that in the very beginning of like. No, psychohistory can't predict the future. I'm not some sort of charlatan or whatever. Mm-hmm. It predicts masses of people, collectives mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is that although maybe psychohistory can only predict um, this like mass level broad change, um, a lot of the book, and I see it happening in the show too, so this is kind of a cool matchup, is this like butterfly effect of like this one small decision mm-hmm. now years later is causing this to happen. And uh, that's one of my favorite aspects of of the books is, you know, you see like this one conversation, you know, lead or this, because this person was here on this day, you know, and that thing happened and it all kind of domino effects. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. Psychohistory can tell you like the direction the waves are moving or if there's going to be a tsunami, but mm-hmm. it can't tell you what day there's going to be rain or anything. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I do, appre- like I said, I do appreciate that the show keeps coming back to that um, <clears throat> as, a, as a nice basis for the whole, for, for everything. But, um, but yeah, like I said, it, you know, at the top of the episode, like this is a very okay sci-fi show that has a few things that makes me want that make me want to continue watching it, but I'm not mm-hmm. anywhere like addicted the same way that mm-hmm. I was to, uh, you know, other prestige shows. I, I keep using that, but like there is a genre and I think maybe the listeners don't, maybe you know what I'm talking about where there's just yeah. this overarching humongous just feeling to the show. Production value, you know, combined with like, very broad uh or like yeah big stories mm-hmm. i heard that by the way that this was slotted for eight seasons <laughs> can you imagine apple, you think apple's television network's gonna be around for know, eight, right? years? <laughs> eight years <laughs> oh, i man. mean i'm just being realistic about it but no apple is totally fine just burning money on this yeah. this is like this is like a pet project for them well i that's <laughs> fascinating though because you know, you do a show like this, you don't need to keep consistent actors. You don't need to keep consistent anything. Lee Pace's character, maybe he's only around for two or three or four seasons yeah, before Lee the Pace Empire. Lee Pace is not going to do eight years. Right, <laughs> but then, but it makes sense. The Empire dies off. The Emperor goes away. Lee Pace mm. is off the show. You know, like, there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of interesting potential that kind of, I think, goes against what a lot of people sign on for for big television shows. Um, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, th- th- and that's the thing that keeps me coming back, even though it's not like I'm clamoring for another episode. It's just like when I read the book, I kept thinking, wow, this is interesting. Wow. This is interesting. Um, yeah, it's not nearly as gripping as like, you know, two characters coming close face to face, they might kiss and then page turn. It's the end of the chapter, you know, like something that's right. going to get you to, you know, hooked in. Um, but there is a, a level of, of interesting story and, 
uh, that I that I appreciate about this, even if it's not compelling in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like it's groundbreaking from a sci-fi perspective. It's just it's telling this foundation story in a very interesting way, and it's kind of using the narrative element of of television to to adjust the way that that story is being told. Because you know, in prose, anything is really possible. It's literally just words. Whereas in television, you know, a single scene can cost you know upwards of a million dollars. You know, if if you play your cards wrong, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see what they pick and choose to try to tell the stories about. Right. What did you think about, um, I think it was early on in the show. Uh, yeah, the, that's the first scene, actually. The uh, youngest, uh, Brother Don or whatever, um, jumping out of his window <laughs> and in a <laughs> failed attempt to kiss the concrete. Oh, man. I Okay, for one, I, I was curious about how do these empires stay alive if they, you know, are just dudes, you know? Um, and the fact that they have <laughs> these, these uh, dune level shield, you know, things around their bodies yeah. is very cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was an interesting uh, twist that I did not see coming. I like this idea that the clones do kind of have their own drives and influences that like, and and they're troubled by their own psyches, you know, like they you are the 24th in line from, you know, the 24th clone of this this great emperor. Um, and, you know, all your predecessors have made good and bad decisions before you see your your older brother getting mad at your oldest brother because of things that he did. And you don't know how to react. <laughs> Am I going to feel the same way about this person? And you got to expect that. 20 years of, of this kid's life. I'm, I, that's my guess. He's about 20 years old, right? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe a little younger. Yeah. I think he's like late, late teens, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. You know, he's watching his his older brother, um, Brother Day, and seeing the things that he's doing. And it's, I I like that they took that perspective of it, that like he's struggling with something to the point where he wanted to kill himself. Or he was testing the limits to see like, how far can I go? Um, and maybe that's mm -hmm. a, my thought was maybe this is a natural corner that all of the emperors take. But um, I did find it a little strange that he like <laughs> saw the woman in the garden and then was like, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Even though this whole, ep yeah. whole episode kind of showed off the, the, the vulnerability that I think these uh, emperors, they wish to have so badly and they can't because of their station. You know, like you get the moment of Lee Pace's character just being like, crying when this woman breaks through with a little shield around his skin as he's feeling another human's touch you know um mm -hmm. and then you've got this other guy who is so desperate for connection from someone that is not this robot woman that i think he finds kind of odd and his brothers who are both tyrants in their own ways um and he sees this this uh, i for lack of a better phrase like a common person you know this servant woman um and she's seen him at his lowest. And he, I think he, you know, literally, I, yeah, he's literally. supposed to be up, up high in the tower. Yeah. He's not supposed to be down there on the ground. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, he's building these little machines and do this other shit. I just was like, I hope that this doesn't get weird. Like this has a lot of <laughs> to potential to get dark and, and odd. And so I'm, I'm kind of like on the fence as to mm. what I thought of, like if I like that or not, but um, it does, kind of add especially now that at this point we've seen what five of these emperor guys we've seen you mm -hmm. know the oldest from the first episode down to this youngest guy who i think is the fifth iteration in the chain um right because there's 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 dawn day and dusk yeah but then you have midnight right the guy who uh or i think it was midnight something like that the the oldest one 
who, you know, zapped himself. And then you have the baby. Um, Yeah. And in that scene, when the oldest guy uh, was evaporated or disintegrated, Mm -hmm. right before he hesitated, remember, because the baby was crying and he said, something is wrong. Yeah. And Demerzel's like, no, no, everything's fine. Keep going. (laughs) Um, And so now I'm wondering, like, here at the beginning of the episode, uh, he wants to kill himself. And then later in the episode, so that's already like, you know, something is emotionally wrong with him, mm-hmm. probably. He's not having a good time in the palace. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, little scenes, you probably only notice this if you like rewatch it because I'm scrolling through it now, but like they're having dinner and the the dinner scene where he's explaining the significance of the religion saying that clones don't have a soul mm-hmm. because you have to be reincarnated and um they go to take a, a drink of wine and you know typical fashion they all do it the same way except yeah. oops he uses his left hand and, and he awkwardly switches over to the right hand mm-hmm. and he like looks at brother day and brother day kind of like looks at him like what are you doing right um right and I think there was one, maybe one more example where he just seems to be like, like a little wobbly, like not a hundred percent in sync, like all the other clones are. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of makes you wonder like, what's going on? Like, how is he different? Right. It's interesting. I didn't, I didn't put the connection together from the previous episode, but I think, yeah, we're definitely seeing a shift uh, in the, in the clones, which is going to be very interesting. Um Yeah. Which I thought was maybe just a mistake, but now this isn't a spoiler or anything because it's it's not in the later episodes. But now I'm starting to wonder, like, hmm, who does the cloning? Dimmerzel does the cloning, right? And <laughs> is she is is Dimmerzel a little worried about what Harry said? Uh-huh. You got to end the cloning program, you know, because if you do clones, you're gonna have more of the same solutions. Mm-hmm. You need so and. They they can't outright end the cloning program, or the emperors wouldn't be happy. I wonder if this is just my theory. Maybe the robot is programming the clones ever so slightly differently each time, and so that way maybe they don't get noticed, but they do get some fresh genes and fresh ideas. Maybe, or she's seen the you know trees for the forest, you know, and she is kind of seeing that maybe Harry was right, but she can't do anything about it. And, you know, mm. this at the end of the empire, you know, cause the, you know, with the core of the idea of, of Harry's, Harry's stuff being that he's not going to predict or prevent anything from happening. He's just going to lessen the blow, which I, I, right. He's like, it's going to happen. I love what do you that do about it? idea that there is, this is an <laughs> inevitability according to my math. Um, mm-hmm. Therefore we should do all that we can to soften the blow. And I just, I remember reading that in the book and just being floored at the fatalistic look at yeah. things, but there is still a deep rooted hope in that all of that saying that no matter what happens, it's going to be bad. But at the end of the day, we will come back. It's just a matter of how quickly um, mm-hmm. it's always fascinating. And all the other characters are fighting against this reality. Like mm-hmm. the emperors, they have those recordings of Harry saying, Oh, this is going to happen. <laughs> and, and they're like trying their damn, like they can't not, resist well to the point where what's his name like brother day had like lines memorized i thought that was a fantastic little clip where they're watching harry's prediction and you know uh lee pace has his hand over his mouth and he's mouthing the words that harry is saying and i was just like 
Mm-hmm. Oh, he's watched this so many times. He's so scared of the right because he was the kid at right. the time. Right. It's it's wonderful little moment. I I thought that was fantastic. Again, Lee Pace's that storyline is the most interesting thing, and the unfortunate side of it is um, that the things that I find less interesting about this show are required to inform that other side of the story right as things get worse and worse in the salvor side or whatever's happening with gail or whatever's happening with other characters that i'm sure will be introduced um the reflection always comes back to the top where the empire sits um Mm -hmm. so you need to have both of those storylines because i don't think it would be interesting to just i mean it might be interesting to just watch lee pace for an episode with these two guys and just kind of figure things (laughs) out but uh you need to have that those action moments those moments where the the rest of the universe is happening in order to get that you know reflection back from the emperor so yeah yeah i i will say like that's probably the best flip for whatever criticisms there are between book and show is that the you know the book explains what terminus or what uh, trantor is and then uh quickly we go to terminus and the book unfolds on terminus that's where all the action is and in the show i find <clears throat> i mean maybe it'll change like there are some interesting parts about uh salvor and like the coin flipping and all that but i'm not super invested in her i'm not like completely like oh what's gonna happen to her next just kind of like more of a macgyver type person and like okay i'm sure she'll get out of it mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll find out how in the next episode sure but i'm like captivated by the emperors and just like they're all the same but they're a little bit different <laughs> like how can they argue each other's decisions if they're supposed to be the same and like they have these arguments and stuff and and then this youngest one now seems like is that like kind of prediction from the uh, third episode of like something's wrong with the baby like how's that gonna unfold um romance with the gardener like i don't know i'm all in on like the emperors ironically that's like plays no part in the book itself so yeah um yeah that's cool no it's it's definitely i mean and that's the thing like i i think there is a i don't know this is the the, maybe this will be the last thing i say about this because i feel like i'm harping on it but (laughs) <laughs> you know the the salvor story while crucial in the books and all that stuff is is not very interesting but in my mind i think that it's it's okay for us to feel like this is temporary and to just say mm-hmm. like yeah this story doesn't isn't really that impactful because we understand that the show is willing to skip time very quickly That's right true. um and so it, it's my my thought is that you know i think it's really important and i hope that the people who created the show work on the show understood this as well as well and maybe they do Um, because I haven't seen more of it, but they really need to just nail these small moments, get us invested in these little storylines and make us remember the key parts so that you can Mm -hmm. tell a long form story in a short amount of time, like over centuries or over a century or two, you know, in a season in order for us to be like time move forward. All of these things happen. They influence and Harry was right and Harry was wrong. And here's how things are going to adjust from there. Having someone at the center, maybe trying to narrate that. Maybe that's the emperor. Maybe that's Gail's narration. Um, but, you know, getting mm-hmm. attached to characters like Salvor, I don't think should be the focus of the story. Like, sure, her story should be interesting and we should be attached to the moments because they are going to be influential on the rest of the story. But like, I don't want the whole season to be about her character because I don't think like foundation for me coming in with this bias is a story of, of thousands and thousands of years, not one year, you know? Right. Um, 
And I just want, I hope that the show focuses and, and pulls back on that and says that we need to be able to tell many, many, many stories. Um, and we need them all to be ace in order for us to deliver these bits and pieces that end up to the sum of here's how things are going in Harry's psychohistory prediction um, or in his mathematics. And maybe at the end of the season, we get someone who's just like, oh, let's look at the past thousand years that have happened over this season have things, you know, come closer. And, you know, in the books, there are those those pivotal moments where the things happen and the, the vault opens up and we hear from Harry, like, are we going to get that? And is there going to be a prediction? Is there going to be informed information to change the direction of the psychohistory um, and the math as more variables get added and things change in real life? So I don't know. I yeah. still have hope for the show is what I'm saying. <laughs> you, um... You mentioned narrator, which is last thing I, I wanted to comment on. And um, <clears throat> the although the book obviously is like third person prose, mm -hmm. I feel like if anything, there is a little opening narration um, in in the, at the top of every chapter, Encyclopedia Galactica, and there's like a little a, a little selection of an entry in this Encyclopedia Galactica, which, remember, is what the whole foundation is trying to do. They're trying to build this encyclopedia of all of the Empire's knowledge. And so if there were this kind of like outside little anecdotal narrator throughout the books, it would be uh, reading these entries from the encyclopedia. And that kind of sets the stage of maybe they're trying to pretend like you are in the future and you're reading back hmm. on this history of how how Selden got everyone through the Dark Ages right, because you're right. reading the encyclopedia. You're reading the finished product. Hmm. And in the TV show, the little opening narrator background voice is, um, is Gail. Mm -hmm. And so at first I thought that was just to introduce the character, but it keeps happening in every episode. And so I'm just kind of curious, what does that mean? Does it mean that Gale is going to somehow stick around through all eight seasons, which would be kind of weird, wouldn't fit the time scale of things. Um, does it mean she is writing some key part of history and like we're reading something she's written? Or maybe it's just not at all rooted in the book, like some of these things. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, like, why is it her voice? It's not Harry who's reading this. So. Right. Or anything like that, or or I would think more logically, an unknown voice that maybe we find out in a few years from right. now who that voice belongs to. But um, but yeah, I don't really have an answer. But that's just a question that I have: is that you know they've got Gail doing that? Yeah, kind I mean, of backing voice. the end of episode four is you know we see her floating in space. She's been gone for an episode. We don't know what happened there. She's like floating towards some big thing in this in space. What does that mean? Did she get folded through time or something? Who knows? Um, yeah. So yeah, I I'm I also have that that curiosity of like, what is Gail's role in this whole story? Because I feel like the actress kind of got like, you know, shipped out, <laughs> literally. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's so bizarre to start this show and kind of pitch it with these actors, and then, then they're all gone. You know, like I mm -hmm. I feel like what's his name who plays Harry Seldon was like a drawing factor for me to watch this show. I was like, oh, cool. We're going to yeah. get more of this guy. And he just in it for two episodes. And we see his Jared face in this Harris, episode. By the way. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, Jared Harris. So I don't know. A lot Which, of questions. And again, these are things that I I want answered to a certain extent. Like nothing in this show <laughs> is really pushing me away from it, but nothing's drawing me it. in other than my sheer curiosity about how they're going to continue mm-hmm. this story. Um, is that enough reason for me to recommend the show? Probably not, but I feel like it's a it's a pretty hard sci-fi show and we don't have enough of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's kind of like the curiosity is how does this show hold together more than <laughs> how does the story evolve? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it definitely, like, I feel like this was the pivotal episode for me, episode four, when the, uh, the action really started to pull me forward and I did want to start binging. So I, I think I watched four and then I watched five right away. Gotcha. Um, and then last night, um, Mary and I watched episode six and then we couldn't help ourselves. We had to watch episode seven. Um, <laughs> cause they start to, it, the pace, I think it starts to accelerate. Sure. Um, sure. so won't spoil anything, but stay tuned for our chat about episode five. Hopefully next week we'll see what happens. Uh, I was moving <laughs> from Brooklyn back to Philly, so I had to skip a week there and, uh, yeah. But this is this is great. I think it's fine to have a lot of questions. We don't have to have all the answers. Well, yeah. I mean, good TV <laughs> shows shouldn't have all the answers in four episodes. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, definitely check out this uh, this article. Um, I shared it in our Discord. I'll um, Maybe I'll add it to the show, show notes. Um, but yeah, it's called When Foundation Gets the Blockbuster Treatment, <laughs> Isaac Asimov's Vision Gets Lost. So... Hmm. It's a little uh, harsh. I, I mean, I think I agree with all of it, but uh, I'm a little bit more on the optimistic side of you know finding these interesting things like with the emperor. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Same. Great. Well, until next time. See ya. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. <laughs>